Welcome to The Coaching Podcast with Simon Blair and Emma Doyle, the show that explores how to coach for success in both sport and business. Simon is owner and founder of Five Degrees and is a customer experience coach specializing in sales and customer service for contact centers. Emma is a performance coach, mentor and speaker with more than 20 years experience in coach education, both in Australia and around the world. Gigi Fernandez has been a dominant fixture in the tennis world since turning pro in 1983 and has won 17 Grand Slam doubles crowns as well as two Olympic gold medals. Fernandez was Puerto Rico's first professional female athlete and coach of the year in 2003. In 2000, she was named Puerto Rican Athlete of the Century and is also a member of the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Since retirement, Fernandez has coached the Puerto Rican national team, along with serving as head coach at the University of South Florida in Tampa. She also coached tour pro Sam Stosa and Lisa Raymond to their first Grand Slam win in 2005. She currently works at Chelsea Piers, where she runs the adult curriculum and also conducts master doubles with Gigi clinics throughout the country. She's a proud mum of six-year-old twins, Carson and Madison. Hello and welcome to the Coaching Podcast. I'm Emma Doyle and I'm here with the uh, one of the greatest all-time players, Gigi Fernandez. 17 Grand Slams, um, just an incredible person and her passion and her energy to make a difference in tennis and giving back um, at all levels, especially at the, in the adult field, is, um, is phenomenal. So it's great to have her on the show. So uh, she doesn't know what I'm going to ask her, but the, the first one's the Vegemite question. You, you either love it or you hate it. What's, what's your take? Oh, I didn't even try it. It looks so nasty. <laughs> they say it's a cross between tar and wood. But um, yeah. So because you chose that answer, yeah. then the next question associated with that um, is um, kind of a, a, a coaching moment that didn't go so well. So, because you didn't like Vegemite, it's like, you know, something even as a player. Um, and what was the lesson in that? So okay. maybe there's a time as a where as a player. Uh, either yeah. you okay. can choose, you I can choose. Very, very so, different one. so um, 1996 Fed Cup, I got kicked out of the team. Um, Billie Jean King kicked me out of the team because of bad behavior. Um, I felt fully justified in my behavior at the time, and I won't go into the details, but. Um, I wasn't probably. Uh, I probably didn't act the way I should have, in hindsight. Um, and I just learned that um, you have to respect authority, you know. And it's really important to, um, you know, people are in that position of authority for a reason. So you really need to listen to them and and adapt yourself and um, leave the ego at the door and not mm. be a prima donna. Mm. So. Mm. Prove versus improve. <laughs> well, that was one right. of the things. Yeah. On um, yeah yeah no thank you for sharing that that story. Um, the next one is the sliding doors question. You know when you think your life is is heading one way and something happens or you meet someone or there's a moment in your life where you end up turning left instead of right or you know I mean we have multiple throughout yeah. our career but yeah. is there one that that sticks out for you and, and yeah, what happened? Well, I mean since we're at the tennis congress here in Tucson, I'll use this as uh, a sliding door moment because I. I came here last year and um, I was very reluctant to come because I um, you know, have been coaching recreational players for three or four years. Uh, I didn't really know anything about this event, but it's you know four days away from home. I have small kids and um, you know I heard so many great things about the Tennis Congress, but I had no idea there was a audience 
of tennis players that were so into learning about the game and that were really students of the game that would just soak up the information and they, they just can't get enough. So when I came here and I saw that, I'm like, oh, my thought was, if there's people like, the, like these folks here, I'm sure there's others all over the United States, all over the world who really want instruction. I mean, the people here just couldn't get enough. So I figured um, I needed to do more in sharing, sharing my, my knowledge of doubles and it became my passion for the last year. Um, I've been just creating a doubles instructional program for recreational players that I'm rolling out. It's called the, the way I teach is called the Gigi Method, um, and I'm starting to I'm starting to license it to clubs. Um, and I just spent a whole year developing this. And I don't think if I would have come here, um, I would have ever thought of doing this. So I have you know started this business. I've been doing master doubles with Gigi clinics for the last three or four years. Those have grown, and I'm doing you know 20 to 30 a year. Um, so, so life is going really well. Um, I feel like I have a new career in tennis, um, and I feel like um, you know doing my part in giving back and um, trying to change the um, perception of coaching in tennis for ex-professional players because there is this perception as a player that if you become a coach, you failed um, because you weren't good enough mm, or didn't make enough money. Yep. So then you you had to relegate yourself to becoming a coach and um and i don't feel that way now i mean i think this is a great uh great job great career for women in particular there's not enough women coaches out there mm, but what a great job that you can do from nine to three where your kids are in school and that's exactly what i do i work from nine to um nine to two thirty you know three four days a week and i'm a mom the rest of the time and I can travel and do these fun events, and mm. um, and I think we need to change that stigma for, oh, for players. Couldn't agree I mean, more. There's, we just have so much knowledge and so much information that it would just be a shame that we we don't share mm. it with others. Mm. So that's couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, in one a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? Listen. Communicate and uh, motivate. Beautiful. So what an opportunity to just interview Gigi Fernandez. I know growing up, I certainly really admired her as a player. So if it wasn't for the coaching podcast, I would have probably not had that opportunity to really ask those insightful questions. So um, thank you, Simon, for just the opportunity to interview Gigi. And what an awesome person, instantly attracted to her energy and her buzz and her enthusiasm, which which you would have heard in the interview. Mm, totally. Um, she gave a couple of different perspectives as well that absolutely. We, haven't, we haven't heard from the others. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I uh, first thing that, that really struck me was the honesty and, and the rawness of her, you know what? I got kicked out of the 1996 Fed mm. Cup team by Billie Jean King. Um, Legend. <laughs> and, and at first she says, you know, at, at, you know, she, she thought at the time her, her behavior was justified. But then she says, well, in hindsight, actually, when I checked my ego at the door, which how hard is that to admit? Yeah. Uh, she actually said, yeah, you know what? The lesson learnt there is to respect authority and that those people are in those positions for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, that- and, you, and you might not even understand all the reasons why you're there. To doing this to you, but you, I mean, how many? Yeah, I, don't know, I mean, you've probably got stories to tell. How yes. many players do you think 
in mm. t- the tennis world mm. failed to learn those lessons. Mm, mm, and mm. we could whole, start a whole conversation around we some could. of the Australian tennis players right now. But Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and do, are they learning, not learning? Do they get it? Yeah. In and, terms of what's clear and, and obvious to everyone else. What, what I'd love to say around that is that in life, one of my true core beliefs is that everyone gets it when they're meant to get it in yeah. their own time. Yep. And, you know, you can't push that on someone. You can't push somebody to say you need to respect authority uh, in the, right here, right now. Yes, uh, there's hindsight and there's lessons that they can reflect on and hopefully learn post potentially a, a bad experience. Um, but you can't push that on someone. That that has to be. I don't know when that penny dropped for her, but what what an awesome insight for her to share around two, you know, legends legends of the game um, in relation to, you know, integrity, uh, authority, uh, and just listening, listening again comes out in this, in this interview. So, um, what she said, uh, which is a theme through everything we talk about ego, the nature of ego. And she yes, used that language of, she did. You got to put it aside, gets in the way yeah. of so much. Check it at the door. Yep. Yep. And as coaches, you know, when we really hang our hat on that we're right or we, we, we mm. feel that this is the only way or the only method, then again, we, we're really letting ourselves down or, you know, we really, there's an opportunity there for. There's risk. Yeah. And, and we need to, we need to learn from that. We need to grow every day we can grow because everyone is here to teach us something about ourselves and make us a better coach. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So. What are the other themes that you you captured there, Emma, that resonated with you, and, and even when you were actually interviewing her, was definitely around. Well, I mean, if I could just say a few words about Tennis Congress. So, you know, I have to first of all let you know that you know Tucson, Arizona. I've I've never been there before. The backdrop of of the desert. Hang on, uh, we've all been there. Eagle Song. <laughs> that's We've right. We've been transplanted there course, in some way. <laughs> of course. And you know, I have to share with you the first thing that I did and I was I was like I have to do this is actually go hiking. And it's it's one of my favorite things to do. You know, when I when I go and visit a, a country, um a city, I I really try and at least leave half a day where I can sightsee and go and explore and just learn anything about the culture, about the people, and especially for me, the environment. Um, and so on that first day I did, I went hiking and I had cacti like I've never seen before. You know, I, I think about my brother's little cacti garden. The cacti <laughs> are like, you know, uh, 10 centimetres big. I mean, these these things are, you Were know. Were these like cartoon cacti, like Wally e. Coyote? Yeah, and yeah you, you don't even think they're real. <laughs> you look at it and, you you know, you know. And I'm a big big believer of, you know, sometimes we over photograph these days. So take it with your eyes, you know, really frame mm, oh, it, yeah, frame enough. it. And, and I'm, I'm big into perspective, but just take one snap. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. Or maybe you take two and then you delete one, but please don't take 10 with someone's phone and then somebody else's phone, you take another 10 and then, and then you pick the best one. I mean, you got to just capture the moment. And, and in that, in that moment, trust that you captured the moment. And if you didn't, Take it with your eyes. Take a moment just to absorb and breathe it in. And and that's one of the first things I did. So so back to Tennis Congress, which is being in a place that almost um, respects and commands this, um, that the universe is bigger than you are, 
is what, you know, what an incredible place to be a sponge to learning. And that's what Gigi talks about. She says her sliding doors moment is the fact that she went to Tennis Congress last year. It was the first time I went there this year. And uh, she realized that there is a community of people out there who actually have a ginormous thirst for learning, a, a real quench for how do I get better, no matter what age, no matter what level, no matter who I am, what I come from, my background, I want to get better and I want to be the best that I can be. And so she talks about the GG method. Well, I really, that was the part that resonated yeah. with me. Uh, when she mentioned about the Congress and that that learning, um, it just made me think of the opportunities that are, that are there for all of us in whatever space that is to you know, get amongst your community in terms of the, the space that you play in and get those different perspectives. You know, absorb, take it all in and then process and pick and choose the things that work for you. Mm. Um, and she was genuinely surprised. I, 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 that came through she in was. terms of what she, what she picked up mm. and hearing mm. how she transferred that to action. It was the stimulus for it putting, was. getting her IP, yeah, theme that we keep going back to, the IP of and getting it out there and, and turning it into a method. And, and it's one of those things. I'm, I'm having to do it myself with my own business and I'm yes. right in the throes of um, developing different stages of that that process of getting content out in its different forms. Some of it, a lot of it just free and adding, giving that value back to, to you know, those in my mm. demographic and mm. whoever, whoever may benefit from it. Um, but also, you know, some paid stuff and, um, and my core sort of offering. And mm. uh, it's recently it's, uh, you know, in absorbing information and perspectives from others around how best to do that. One of the things that really keeps coming through from a number of uh, people I really respect is um, people don't, you know, they don't want your opinion. They mm. want instruction. People yeah. will pay money for method for instruction. Yes. Give me the answers. Show me what to do. Give yeah. me the practical steps that I can implement. I, I don't want to wade through all the guff. Give mm. me mm. the steps so I can actually do something with it. Mm. So actionability is critical. And I think from a coaching perspective, in any conversation, you know, look, you're passionate, I'm passionate, with as the trap of as you get older and you're you know, all of that IP that's sitting there, sometimes there is that you get in a moment, you think that someone's really engaged and listening to you and, oh, you just offload and you and before you know it, five minutes has gone past and yes. you're still spewing forth all of your stuff. Yes. Is, is it really valuable to the person or are you better off giving an instruction? Mm. Do mm. this, do that. Certainly talk about mm. it, give context, frame it. Mm. And provide an environment for them to, to gain the learning. To practice it. To apply practice it. it. Yes. Applied learning. Yes. It reminds me of one of my, my, my formulas for confidence, uh, which equals time plus experience. Now, you, mm. you cannot short-circuit time. Time is time. You can't make it go any faster. You can't make it go any slower. Sometimes we, we might <laughs> want to, but, but you can't. So you can inexperience. So take someone like Gigi Fernandez. 17 Grand Slam titles in doubles. So you think, okay, if I could know a little bit about what she knows in doubles and I could take that and apply it to my own game, 
I'm taking her experience and then I'm I'm living the experience of her methodology mm. and I'm, I'm applying it to me and, and my game and where I'm at with my ability over time, that's going to give me more confidence. I, I absolutely love that that formula, um, f- you know, for confidence and, and Gigi really does provide that. And the other thing that I love about what you said in, in wrapped up in that is around um, – giving her a new career almost, the, you know, the mm. words in her reinvigorating who she is and, and what she's about. How liberating for someone like that who's had yeah. a career. Yes. So successful. Yes. And then to get that opportunity to, within the thing that she loves being tennis, yes. to transfer that into a whole new realm that gives its own innate sense of fulfillment and yes. satisfaction. Yes. And I have to... Just mention, and, and she touches on it right there at the end. Um, obviously, I'm a female coach and there's 19% of uh, qualified female coaches mm. in Australia today. Uh, and I am very, very, you know, of course, passion is, is a word that oozes out of me in most occasions, but I really am um, uh, putting more of a dedicated focus into how I can help more female coaches uh, really discover how awesome this sport is and, and coaching in this in this sport is and gender equity is really important to me and and really earning earning our stripes as we deserve the roles as, as anyone else does in this space. And you know, she touches upon it. She's a mum, she's got young kids, and she touches also on how she balances all of that and it's possible. It's possible to live if you have a passion for the sport, for coaching. You you can have it all. You you can you balance. Find a, find a way. You can find a way, as she has done, and and it, and you know, I really, I really hope that our industry doesn't deter people from wanting to become coaches because of the hours or, or the hard work or the physicality, uh, etc. Because. There's this the the rewards far outweigh potentially you know the the the, the traditional um, you know what is a normal week anyway? Well, that's I mean every is every moment and every year ticks by. It's more and more you know what's normal in business and how businesses operate and the workforce in every endeavor in sport in mm. in, in you know professional services. Uh, that's. It's ever changing, and opportunities abound. And Mm-mm. and now it's you got to take control of your own destiny. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And that's whether you're an employee mm. working for companies. Mm. You know, you got to see yourself as uh, you know, gone are the days of you know jobs for life. So. Mm. Mm. And and one one last thing, I I really want to reinforce what she said around the stigma that if you have not made it as a professional tennis player that then you become a coach. I mean, from my perspective, you know, as as the listeners will already know um, from previous episodes, I knew early on I wanted to be a coach. That that was a choice for me to, to choose this as a profession. And therefore to, you know, sure, if, if you're good at a sport and, and you don't make it um, on the tour, maybe making it for you means top 100 in the world or top 10. Either way, then you fall back into coaching you know, I really think... Yeah, like it's the, the fallback position. Yes. It's the downside. It's yes. the lesser yes, yet, thing to do. As as we know, even, even in what we're talking about, every episode we hear people, you know, like 
Roger Crawford talk about the importance and the responsibility that we have as coaches. It's a huge responsibility. It's this this is a one of the greatest jobs that anyone could ever ask for. And what comes with it is is great accountability, integrity, responsibility, and and therefore you don't just fall into this role. So I really urge players on the tour to to consider it as a profession that they want to be a part of. And the rewards that come yes, with it. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and tap into that first and foremost and, and really look at what tennis teaches you. And, and if you want to become a coach, hey, I, I'll, I'll be your, your number one supporter um, and certainly help you on that journey if that's, you know, if I'm fortunate enough to be a, a mentor for you. So, you know, that is really, really important. I think she she brings up a really good point. Gigi's not af- afraid to confront the real issues. You're listening to The Coaching Podcast, brought to you by Five Degrees, Australia's number one in call quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. Visit Five Degrees, spelled F-I-V-E, at fivedegrees.com.au to find out how you can supercharge your sales and customer service efforts. And The Coaching Podcast, also brought to you with thanks to Emma Doyle, international speaker, mentor and performance coach, specialising in communication, women in leadership and coach education for players, parents, clubs, schools and coaches right around the world. Visit emmadoyle.com.au and discover your inner coach today. Listening to you talk there, Emma, one of the, I started to think of one of the the major things that have come up in the field of coaching in the last few years, and it's the credibility of the coach. Uh, There's a lot of different, let's take life coaching, Yeah. Coaching as an industry has really sprung forth. Mm. And like in everything, there's great coaches, good coaches, average coaches, and the rest. Um, How important do you think is taking Gigi as an example Mm. with her clear credentials and success, obviously that puts her in a great position, especially in selling a method, which she mentioned she's now doing. Uh, and with that behind her, as opposed to someone else who, let's say, hasn't quite made it, whatever that means, and their ability to be, therefore, credible as a coach or not. Because I see it in a number of industries. Mm. I see a lot of people. It's like entrepreneurs. Yeah, so many people who want to be entrepreneurs. Yeah. But, you know, are they actually prepared to risk it Mm. all Mm. and put their skin in the game? Um or is it just a label? So I don't know. That throws up probably another whole another topic for in its own right for it mm. to be explored in, in more depth. But mm. but I think you do raise it. You know, you raise a really great point around. Uh, certainly, uh, I know when I came off the road and off, off the tour, I I def- definitely wanted to study everything to do with human development and my process to research uh, all the different companies out there. Uh, really helped me understand the point that you just made. So there are many, many methodologies, many, many um, different organizations that can give you, say, a certificate or an accreditation in, yep. in say, life coaching, for example. Um, and, you know, and I'm a qualified life coach. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for um, the, the tools and the, the, the outcomes that life coaching can produce. 
But there's a lot of, for example, uh, providers of life coaching. That's right. And it would go down to the quality of that provider. Or, As to the learning, you actually get to be effective in doing that. Or and not. get your certificate in a weekend yeah. versus, you know, the, the, the company that I decided to go with, my qualification from start to finish was over 12 months. And that's yeah. I accelerated that process and, and was quite determined because I, I wasn't for the first time in my life was not since eight years of age was I wasn't on a tennis court at four o'clock in the afternoon. So by doing that, I was able to it, mm. even accelerate the time process of which that was to take to, to undergo that course. So I totally understand what you're saying. I, th- I think it's a combination of actual uh, the you know looking at the the background of the courses and then the experience of the coach. So mm. I think it's it's twofold. You've got to have when the you're chops. looking for yeah, and you, when you're looking for a coach. They're the types of things that you need to look at. You need to look at, well, what are their qualifications and what is their experience? So, in effect, you have to be able to do it yourself mm. in order to coach it. Yes. To teach it. Yes. Walk and, the walk. And if you can't, mm. who are you to tell me? Yeah. Because I know in coachees, that's often a question that yes. comes up Yes. before your credibility is established. Maybe they don't know who yes. you are, what your background yes. is. And you're tested. You are. But of course, when you know you've been there, done it, mm. you know the reason you're a coach has been driven mm. by a career of mm. of applied applying uh, and learning, mm. and you, you've dealt with all these situations before. Mm. You that's actually I, I like that. I get excited by that because yes. it's a chance to, you know, yes. strut my stuff. Yes, in, in a good way, in a healthy. Yes positive way yes because um, no you're being challenged yeah absolutely. because i know i don't have to worry about it mm. i don't have doubt about my my abilities in the space i play in mm. been mm. there done that proven mm. it in the field but what about those that where no doubt there's plenty of coaches out there who number one they fear especially young coaches yes you know that are being thrust into an environment certainly in the business world they've been asked to be a coach yes but they've never had instruction. Mm. Maybe they've never seen a strong coaching culture. Yeah, or they don't even know what it looks like, or f- you know what things we take for granted. Yes. And so there's probably even in our amongst our listeners, individuals who are trying to latch on to give me the method, give mm. me the instruction, mm. coaching. Mm. What's actually? Mm. I'm giving it a shot. I'm having a go, but mm. I'm 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 an island here. I, I'm, mm. I don't know. You don't know mm. what you don't know. Yeah. And it, it does really start with that. It starts, you know, I, I think I may have mentioned it uh, previously on an episode around that beginning coach and, you know, they just run the activity or in what we just spoke about then, they just deliver a method. And you know what? That's a great place yep. to start. You're learning as you go. Exactly. You're, you're doing stuff. Yes, yes. And then and then I really think the more experienced, experience that you have and and as i said about my confidence formula as time goes on then you really live the activity you understand why you're doing it you understand the benefits and and you kind of know when to ask what of the coach e in front of you and i think that's a really powerful powerful tool um that beginning coaches can begin to think about the methods that they use today how did the player or the coach E respond to your coaching. And I think that's a really, really, really important message. Yeah. So if, mm. it, if it's working, run with that. Analyze what did you do today in that session mm. that actually had impact on that individual. Yes. You've, 
you can tell when you've triggered emotions. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. In in their their physiology, physiology, body language. It's you know eyes, uh, and obviously what they say and how they yes. respond. So yes, um, be attuned to that, and and you can um, yeah analyze what you did well. Yes. Analyze what yeah you're not happy with yourself. Be your own worst critic. Oh, no, I'm going to hang on, hang on. I'm going to stop there in my in my language matters and say, just focus on what you need to do better, not not in what you did wrong. It's no. one it's one well, of my it's one of my sure, passion areas, sure. yeah. which is language. But yeah, I mean we're coming at it from the same same well, place. Totally, we are. As but in, I just had to I had to throw that in there, Simon. Yeah, it's my thing. But I suppose being the voice of the person, that's often the language of certainly the, uh, someone less experienced. Yes, they're. They use the language of self-doubt and yes. I'm not quite there and, and yes. what am I doing wrong? Well, yes. okay, yeah, and you're cringing even as I say it. Yeah, I um, am. But that's I the reality am. of what – when, when you, I was young doing that, yes. what a, that didn't quite work. What am I doing wrong? I need to get better. Yes. Let's put aside my emotional response and let me try to objectively yes. analyse – uh, what did I say? What did I do? Maybe I said something I shouldn't have. Maybe it was my language. Maybe my own inner dialogue of yes. being wrong is coming out in my yes. method and it's having a negative impact. So Yes, and and all, all I will say around that, and I, and I have to say it because it just it oozes out of me, Simon, and that is the more that we can focus, even as young coaches, if you can somehow get your head around to focus just on what you need to do better and rather than what you did wrong, the strength of your private inner voices, as Dr. Jim Lewis says, will be your inner coach. I like it. <laughs> mm, thank you. I, I love it because <laughs> it's what I believe in. Uh, you know, very, very much. I'm, I, I want to impact as many people as I can to, to help them build that because it, it'll build their life skills and help them deal with all, all parts of their life. So well, Gigi's really triggered some stuff yes. in, in us, hasn't she? So look, to finish my thoughts around coaching, and if you're a young coach out there who is, you know, you have these challenges that you're confronted with and, and doubts and you want to get better, mm. uh, the key thing is just keep jumping in. Yeah. You know what? It's that whole thing of just taking action. Mm. You're better off to jump in and just start coaching. Mm. Even if you've never been shown how to coach, mm. by jumping in and doing it. Asking And a you're great being question. genuine and open and transparent mm. and being a, an external voice to, for them to bounce, the coachee to bounce stuff off to you. You've got, you're in a position, you've, you're there for a reason, you've got some experience, you've got some expertise. Mm. Um, ask questions. And then tailor your response to that, but just doing, just mm. doing, and then experience. You'll learn from it. Yep, and, and aim to get better. Absolutely. And as Gigi said, and to change that stigma, it is possible to balance your life and and have and be successful in all areas of your life, uh, regardless of what challenges are in front of you. So, yep. shall we? Shall we, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear what she's she's got to ask so the coaching podcast her question. Gigi's question. Let's have a listen. And finally, we'd like to say, do you have a question for the coaching podcast? Is there anything out there that you're, already, you know, you're curious and that you're on a on a mission as well to to ask or investigate or research, discover? Yeah, I'm I'm really curious why more director of tennis don't hire female coaches. You know, there's, um, I think a 
or or maybe why is it that more female coaches are not entering the field, female past players or female? Uh, it seems you know when you go to most clubs, country clubs, it's ninety men, ninety percent men, ten percent women. Mm. Like why is that? Mm. I mean, I, I mm. think that as women coaches, we have um, a different level of empathy for our clients. Um, particularly the women clients um, and why is that? Why aren't there more women coaches? Oh, love that question. Look forward to answering it. Thank you so much Juju uh, Fernandez for being on the show. It's been great. Thank you and I miss everybody in Australia. Hopefully I get back there soon. Yeah, we can't wait to have you. Wow, Emma, I didn't see that one coming. That's a, it's a bit of a curly one, something a bit removed from my own uh, I probably expertise. did see it from Gigi. <laughs> I, I love that. She, she does ask the curly questions. Before I get you to respond um, mm. with your insight, uh, a couple of things that come up for myself is, um, uh, and probably those listening is, you know, not being familiar with this as an issue, but obviously it makes sense now that I've heard it as a question that mm. I assume, I don't know, in terms of the top players, top 50 players in the world, say male tennis players, yes. how many of them would have a female coach? Well, at the moment, no one, so 0%. Uh, obviously, uh, Andy Murray did employ Emily Moresmo there for um, a stint in, in his career, so you know, good on him for actually employing the best person to help him improve in that portion of his life. So and sorry to cut you off, but then on the f- uh, female tennis player side, same top fifty. What? Mm. How many? What percentage? Mm. Rough figures. Do you know of of female players that have? Yep. What's the female male coaching ratio? Uh, I don't know exactly the percent uh, right now. Um, but did you say top fifty? Was that? Oh, I mean, just the top, whatever. I mean, yep. you, you tell me, we're top yep. hundred, fifty. What are yeah. the what are the rough percentages? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I would have to to double check that. Uh, I do know that a recent study, for example, in the US, was that fifty um, percent of of the players, um, you know, their best their best America's top players, fifty percent of them said they would feel comfortable employing a female coach. Uh, and the other fifty percent said they'd be more comfortable employing a male coach, and and certainly part of that that reasoning there is around that that's that's all they ever know. Um, you know, don't forget globally it's around eighty percent of men in the industry. Sure. So, so that's, the numbers that's what they're used to. Probably reflect that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other big thing, you know, because you know your question's gone straight into elite um, area yeah. area of the question is that. Where's Gigi coming from in asking that question in terms of elite versus uh, other levels of yeah. tennis? Well, you, that's yeah, that's why I even I even brought it up because her her question's just around um, you know directors of even country clubs, for example, yeah, within the sure. states, um, and why female there's not more you know directors in, employing female coaches. Um, so just. So that were two separate things there. Yep. So let's just go back a step and 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 look at. Let me just address one of the reasons why um, that the the professional players don't necessarily automatically gravitate towards employing employing female coaches. Uh, and one of the reasons is because hitting partners, females want to warm up yes. with um, with 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 males um, because they want to warm up. In, in a, often in a specific way that suits them and, and it's an individual sport. Mm. The, um, literally the power of male yes, uh, tennis players. Exactly. So, so that they can 
who, who don't miss, who are consistent, make every ball. Yeah, yeah. And so therefore they, they, but, they yeah. think, well, that person could double up as, as a coach because, you know, usually a, hitting, a good hitting partner has often been on the tour. You know, certainly um, a, a good hitting partner on the, on, the, on the men's tour could easily, hit, you know, be a great um, addition to, to a, a female professional team. Um, however, that doesn't necessarily mean they can coach. Uh, and no. I certainly come from that background where I, I wanted to be a coach from a very young age, as, as we know. So, you know, co- there's more to coaching than just being able to be a great player and a great hitting partner. I can hit the ball. <laughs> yes. So, you know, but, you know, often, at, you know, maybe our listeners aren't aware that, you know, tennis looks like quite a, a lucrative sport. And sure, if you if you are top 50, you're making pretty good dough. Uh, outside top hundred, you know, yeah, you might be bringing in two fifty. Your expenses might be two twenty. So you know, that's thousand dollars per year. So we're talking here that it's still quite quite a difficult ball game to be able to um, pay for a coach and a hitting partner and maybe a massage therapist or physiotherapist. Then we might have a mindset coach or you know. So there's a bit of compromise there. Yeah, and based there on is practicalities. So. so we've got practicalities, but please, please, please note that I'm not saying that that's an excuse. I'm saying what we need to do is actually look at to our federations, Tennis Australia, USTA, uh, LTA, the, the, the big federations, and say, hey, how about the federations? provide some hitting partners for these girls and then maybe they might be able to choose coaches based on who actually can take them into that next level. So it could change if there was a clear will to do so. Yes. Uh, And using a very specific example of uh, how they could could implement that in a practical Mm. sense, Mm. fund hitting partners. Yes. That takes that reason off the table. Absolutely. And, and that, there may be other reasons why you still wouldn't employ a female, but that course. reason, which is a, a driver for many. At the elite level. At the elite level um, gets gets removed. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm all about. I'm, my, you know, my approach isn't, you know, um, I, wanna, I want that job because I'm female and, and gender equity and, we, you know, we need, you know, because you know, we're 80% men in our industry. I, I'm not saying these things for those reasons. I'm saying... I want the job because I've got the best skill set for the job. As, as a coach. As a as coach. As opposed to a hitting partner. <laughs> as a coach. I want you to employ me. And certainly I'm not – once you're, you're top 100 in the world, I don't want to warm up with you. I'm not, I'm not the, right, the best person for that. But I can certainly help you with strategy and and mindset and, and the things that need to be done off the court and on the court to get the job done. Um, so that's that's the, the shift that we need to make at the elite level. So, so now, like most – sorry, go ahead. I was going to say – so uh, if we go, just take a step back and, and, you know, Gigi's original question about why do directors not employ more female coaches? It's a, it, it's a can of worms it, or it, it's, a, it's one, you know, it's, it's a giant puzzle. For me, there are so many pieces and, and maybe we could start a whole new pod, coaching <laughs> podcast on this very issue. But, you know, that's, that's not we're, what we're about. Um, but one of the things there for me that I'm deeply involved in at the moment is actually um, uh, being an ambassador for for, for coaches, ro- uh, being a role model, role, being a, a, a role model for more female coaches to say, hey, you know what, if Emma Doyle can f- speak in front of 5,000 coaches in Rome and you with know, the Pope as the <laughs> keynote speaker and, you know, if, if she can do that, then I can do that. And 
And that for me, you know, that's that's a, a role that I have to play. I have to play that role so that I inspire, improve and impact other female coaches to want to want to be in this profession. I'm not, not saying want to be a, a, uh, a speaker or a presenter or a facilitator. I'm just saying if I can provide an avenue to say, look what's possible and uh, look where tennis as, as as a vehicle can can take me around the world that many times over this is what's possible i've represented australia over 10 different on 10 different occasions um junior fed cup coach world championships at, at a level where it wasn't possible as a player can i ask you a question sure have you ever been discriminated against because you're female within your industry from your perspective i'm going to answer that and and you know like like anything, Simon, I try to take, I try not to see the glasses half empty. So you you ask me that question, and I go, well, in your opinion, for what it, you in know, in my from opinion, your perspective, there's there's a, not- there's a couple of jobs that I have applied for um, within within um, the the powers to be, and I haven't and I haven't uh, you know I've I've come second uh, on those occasions to male coaches for female roles. Uh, which has been disappointing with my experience and my background. Um, is that because I'm because I'm a woman being discriminated? You know, I I don't know. You'll never know the. I'll answer never to know that. the answer to that. And all I can do is get up, work harder, keep applying if that's what I want to do. Um, but more and more in in my life, every success and every opportunity that I have had, I have created, and I have worked hard to to get what what I've achieved. And I will continue to do that because that's what works. That That's what success feels like to me. So I, I don't mind because I'll just keep knocking on the doors and, and I'm going to keep empowering other women to do the same. And, and um, you know, the, the, the best example I can give you is when literally, you know, talk about a success story earlier this year. I, I tagged Judy Murray in a post on Facebook and I just said, thank you so much for creating an app where I had um, teenage girls doing a warm-up routine to, to your app, which, which was a tennis dance. And she's like, oh, I love it. Would you come to Glasgow in like four weeks' time and, and reproduce this and show me so I can, I can learn off you and we can share ideas? I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. And uh, next thing you know, of course, I'm, you know, I'm one to say, as you know, yes. And uh, four weeks later, I was on a plane. And, and, we, and, and, and to be honest – that has literally um, just absolutely catapulted a flow on, a domino effect of opportunities in this space uh, in, in connecting girls to tennis, attract, keep, and, and coach. And I'm certainly there saying we do need more female coaches. We have we have a, a, a you know a way about us in terms of nurture and, and empathy that uh, Gigi fin- you know, she she refers to it. A different level of empathy is 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 the way that she says it in in that question, and and we do. And it's a way of saying how do even male coaches understand that and tap into that and and adapt their language to be able to bring out the best in their girls as well. So for me, it's twofold. It's you know how do the male coaches understand that and then champion be champions of change to to employ more women and more female coaches. You know, and um, and and then how do we get the current um, women already in tennis, and then help them with their leadership skills and become the best who that, that you know coach that they can be? So it's kind of it, I see it as being two pathways. 
Um, and as I said, this is probably a whole a whole new podcast, so I'll, I might stop there before I <laughs> before I keep going. But what, what are your thoughts? What's the male oh, look, male's perspective? Um, the, the only thing I suppose I'd add, not knowing anything about the reason, the inherent reasons within uh, the tennis industry as to you know why you know things are the way they are, except to say that in any industry where there's an historic legacy of there being a predominant male domination and that's not linked to anything that relates to specific maleness except for where there's a need for stronger hitting, for example. Yes. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah? Yes. Uh, welcome to sport. Welcome to, you know, differences between, you know, genders in that in that regard. But all I know is that if you really want to affect change in any industry where there is an historical legacy of one gender over the other, then it needs affirmative action policy to actually be applied mm. to address it. Yes. Because otherwise it just won't happen because the dominant influence of historical legacy of that's just the way it's always been yes. will override everything else. Mm-hmm. And so it needs willpower. and yeah. ac- But more than that, it needs actual policies and decisions to be made yes. that addresses that imbalance to get more equilibrium so then it is equal footing competition from that point on. Absolutely. Um, Great summary. That's that's all I've got on that. Yeah, so. I, I, I like it. Thank you, Gigi. Um, <laughs> you have certainly triggered a number of, uh, a number of things for both of us uh, on an emotional and an intellectual level. So we couldn't have done it without you. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks, Emma. Thanks, Gigi. Thanks to Gigi Fernandez for being our featured guest on the coaching podcast and for giving so much great insight during her interview with Emma. You can connect with Gigi on Twitter at Gigi Fernandez, that's G-I-G-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z, and be sure to check out her program for doubles, The Gigi Method, through her website, ggfernandeztennis.com. The Gigi Method is a way of playing the game of doubles that assures you a position in the right place cover the correct area, have reliable shot selection, and can employ winning strategies, leaving only the execution up to you. The Coaching Podcast is proudly brought to you by 5 Degrees, Australia's number one in quality monitoring and coaching for contact centres. And thanks to emmadoyle.com.au, speaker, mentor, and performance coach. My name's Jane Neild, producer for The Coaching Podcast. Thanks for listening.